Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we hear from Murata Tesh, our friend from The Athletic, as we talk about the Winnipeg Jets after 12 games. And also, we'll preview the Division I and JV finals of the Winnipeg High School Football League coming up later this week. That's all on the podcast. Winnipeg High School Football League. Uh, we're waiting to learn the final scores of the Division Two and Division Three finals. We've got football back. There was a long stretch of time without any football, and it looks like, all right, so just checking out the scores here. Springfield is your Division Two champion. 34-21, they beat Murdoch in the snow. Just pulling up the video now on LRSD.TV. A total mess of a game, but nonetheless, memories for a lifetime for those kids. And that is the final there. Don't have the score for Division Three. That one's not streaming, but it was 32 nothing West Kildonan at the half on John Taylor. So pending some miraculous comeback, it's probably going to be West K winning that one. On Friday... Weather permitting, the Division One and JV finals. Right now, there we go. Rick Hankowitz, who has uh, taken over as commissioner for just this season, he says he doesn't want to do it again. He's retired. Uh, Jeffrey Bannon was in charge for a couple of years. He left for a job at Edmonton, and then Rick stepped in for just this year. He told me that a decision will be made tomorrow on that. And Let's start with the Division One finals, the Annabets Cup, between the Grant Park Pirates and the Vincent Massey Trojans. The Pirates were the top team in Division One this year. They went 5-0. and and they outscored their opposition 132-40 to to make the Div 1 final for the first time since 2003. And at today's championship preview press conference, I talked to senior Nathaniel Lisek, who plays the line on both sides of the ball. So how did it feel to, to step back on the field this year? Uh, I felt pretty good after having like a whole season off, especially being really excited to go into varsity. Uh, I think a lot of the seniors especially, we took a big step up because we really wanted to have that varsity experience, and we kind of just squished it all into one year. So that season without football, what was that like for you? Uh, for me, it was, uh, I'd say it was a challenge because a lot of it was a mental game. Like, it was a lot staying in, like staying in the process of keep working hard and uh, just training, making sure that I was ready for grade 12. How would you describe how the year has gone for your team? Uh, I think uh, this, like, our group uh is a really special group. Uh, this is our third finals appearance since I've been with my grade. Uh, I think we have uh, we're experienced in this uh, situation, and it'll be an interesting game. Do you prefer playing O line or D line? Uh, D line for sure. Why is that? Uh, I honestly just like the chase. I like chasing guys down, Le- kind of like a cat and mouse game. You like to hit people. Yeah. You're looking forward to playing in a snowstorm potentially. Oh, I love snow games. Well, best of luck. Have fun. Thank you. Now, many on that team, or this year's team, made up the JV champion Pirate squad of 2019. On the other sideline, you have the Trojans. They're no stranger to making it this far. 2019 runners-up, 2018 champions. They went 4-1 and one this season with their only loss coming to, obviously, Grant Park. 11-7 was the score in that one back on October 8th. And for Vincent Massey, I chatted with their grade 12 quarterback, Luke Thalman. What was it like this year to be able to, to come back and play after a year off? 
Uh, it was awesome. You know, we've been waiting. We've been uh, we've been working throughout the whole off season, right? Uh, you know, finally just getting the chance to come out there. You know, see all your friends again. You know, and be in the clubhouse with them. Even just all that stuff you take for granted. You know, uh, it was great. It was awesome. What was it like for your grade eleven year just to not have football? Uh, it was it was a little weird. Uh, we had some substitutes for it, though. We had you know we had pro prep academy football league. And then we did it again in the in the spring. We did both in fall and spring. But uh, yeah, we had we had both of those, and we did workouts. We stayed we stayed working the whole time. So you know it was it kind of sucked, but we, we kept on working. We kept going through the what we could during the pandemic. So yeah. How would you describe how your season has gone? Uh, you know it's it's been pretty good. Uh, we had some up and downs. Um, like like any normal football season, right? Uh, but yeah, no, it's just been it's been awesome seeing all the guys again, and just having that opportunity to finally play with them, especially in their senior year, right? So yeah, it's been it's been awesome. You're looking forward to maybe playing in a, a total mess of a snowstorm. Yeah, yeah, we've been you know looking at the forecast a little bit, right? But uh, you know we're not we're not letting that distract us. We're just we're focused on the game. We're focused on uh, just executing our executing our game plan, our plays as best as we can. How would you describe your team? You know, uh, I'd say we got a, we got a bunch of like younger guys this year too. So we got a, hopefully a good future in the program. Uh, I'd say it's it's a, a tight bonded team is what it is. Um, it's yeah, we got a, we got a really strong connection with everyone, and uh, yeah. Finally, describe your opponent Friday night Grant Park. What do they do well? They're a tough opponent, great physical. Uh, you know, they, they hit hard, right? Uh, great team. Um, you know, they got a, a really good defense, solid offense, right? So, yeah, they're, they're just a solid team. All right, well, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. So that's Grant Park versus Vincent Massey right now scheduled for 7 o'clock Friday night in the Division One final at Eastside Field at 6 o'clock, one hour earlier. Again, as of now, this is the schedule. It's the JV final at Nomads Field between Dakota and Oak Park. Dakota's been the powerhouse of the JV division, and I talked to grade 10 quarterback Miguel Reyes about the game. What do you like about football? Well, obviously I love the sport, but most importantly, it's also about the, like, the life skills I learned. Like, I've made a lot of relationships, and one of my coaches really teaches me to be disciplined, reliable, and responsible. Like, not just in football, but like outside of football, too like in school, in the classroom, and stuff like that. So is this your first year playing then? Yeah, it's my first year playing, and I'm having a lot of fun playing right now. Why did you decide to go to cornerback, or were you told to go there? Um, well, in I've played flag football for five years, and I've been playing corner in that in that league or on my team. And I, just want, I really like being defensive back because, or just on defense in general, because I like being the nail rather than the hammer. How did flag football prepare you for now playing tackle football? Well, it's just the coaches that really told me I'm ready for tackle. Uh, it took a lot of convincing. Um, I had to convince my mom to play because she wouldn't let me play tackle because she was scared. But I really thought, I really loved uh, flag football, and I thought I could just take it to the next level. So what does your mom think now watching you play? Um, she enjoys watching me play. She's confident. And she she knows that I'm, if I'm having fun, then can't go wrong. Let, yeah. So looking ahead to, to Friday's game then, how excited are you to potentially play in a total mess of a, a weather situation? Honestly, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we, my grandparents chose to live here, so it's Winnipeg. Uh, it's going to be a lot of snow here, so it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, well, best of luck.
Thank you very much. And finally over to Oak Park, home of Andrew Harris, Nick Dembski, and following in their footsteps, running back Onan First. Can I just get your uh, your name, please? Uh, Onan First. Can you spell your last name? F-U-R-S-T. And what position do you play? Running back. What grade? Nine. Okay. So why did you, first of all, want to be a running back? Oh, well, I like getting the ball lots, and I like uh, hitting, running it, catching, just doing everything, blocking, just overall, just like being on offense too so that's why i chose running back have you had fun this year so far oh yeah it's getting back and playing again is obviously fun after not playing for almost a year and a half it's pretty good to be back being with the new team also new group of guys is also nice getting to know new people it's pretty fun so where did you play before you went to high school uh, i played for the valley patriots uh yeah and how would you describe how the season has gone for your team uh, we've had ups and downs, two losses, two wins. We've come together lots for a good win against St. Paul's, so I think we have lots of momentum going into the game against Dakota, so it'll be good. And how did it go the last time you played them? Uh, it was, we took a loss against them. It was 54-18. After that game, we looked. We said we didn't play terrible, but, but we still had lots of stuff to work on as a team. Obviously, we were new together, so after that, we just started working way harder. So, yeah. I've asked this to everybody so far, but are you looking forward to playing in the snow Friday? Oh, I, I love playing in the snow. Snow is just so fun to play in. It's different. Well, best of luck. Thank you. Okay. For some reason, I forgot to – well, no, I did. I, I had a file where I clipped off that starting part where I asked for their name and stuff, and I, for some reason, put the wrong file in here. Anyway, that's how the sausage is made. Hooray. And that is our Winnipeg High School football final preview Friday night in a pile of snow. Winnipeg Jets coming off a tight 3-2 shootout loss to the Blues, but they look like the better team, and as we hit the 12-game mark of the season, we're joined by Murat Atesh, who just posted his latest State of the Jets article on The Athletic. Murat, let's start with the immediate pass last night's game. The Jets lose a game that maybe they should have won, but was this just a case of, hey, the hockey's like that sometimes? I think so. I think that had a lot to do with it. On Saturday against the Islanders, there was a case of being in the zone but not actually creating real meaningful chances. Uh, against St. Louis, I thought Winnipeg was not only in the offensive zone for most of the night, especially in the second and third periods. They were creating chances. They were buzzing around the net. Uh, yeah, the Neil Pionk spinorama for, uh, for a good bit of fun. But really, when you know guys like Mark Shifley were getting chances from the doorstep, you had Jordan Bennington kicking out a pad. I think it was night and day in terms of the amount of chances Winnipeg created. Bennington had a good game, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, the wheels fell off at 3-on-3 three three OT. Yeah, I saw that the Blues had 2.1 expected goals in overtime alone, which is just nuts. <laughs> uh, that's 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 a full game's worth of work in a lot of cases. Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's crazy how that happened. But just looking at, again, the game as a whole, what do you think the reason for that is? Or is it a com- combination of Saturday was a back-to-back, last night they had more rest? Is it part of it, the fact that they went back to a 12-forward, six-defenseman structure? What do you think? You know, I can't find the reason that says 12 forwards and six defensemen um, were absolutely the driver behind Winnipeg having quality chances uh, more so. But they did have more jump. They did move the puck better. And then when they were in the offensive zone, 
You know, whether it was playing from the outside into the middle, whether it was turning rush chances into danger, they were able to get to the middle of the ice um, in a big way. If you look at the heat maps, if you like those distributions of where shots come from, you know, Winnipeg was in front of Jordan Bennington all night, really, um, in, especially in the second and third periods, pardon me. And um, for me, a big driver in that was Mark Shifley's performance. I think since he's come back from COVID, he's getting better and better and, and, and looks very much due to me. Um, I think Pierre-Luc Dubois continued to be dangerous off the rush, Kyle Connor as well. Um, and so I don't know if I can tie it to, to the defending or, or perhaps maybe this is maybe this is the point that you're getting to and maybe we we should look at some some time on ice numbers but maybe everybody was a little bit fresher because Paul Maurice was able to roll four lines either way uh, i would say the back to back would would be a fair reason to have a little bit of air let out of their tires on saturday against st louis looking at the the lineup as it sits today this is not perhaps the configuration we thought it would be a month into the season it's part of partly born out of necessity with Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele leaving the lineup. But do you think the way it's configured now is perhaps closer to the more optimal arrangement for this team that we, and we could see this structure for the long term? Well, I think we're going to see it for the medium term. And that's an interesting thing right off the bat. Like if you see Kyle Connor, Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler separated at any given point in the season, you generally assume that they're going to get back together in the not too distant future. And even if it's a large stretch, they'll be back for playoffs or whatever it is. This season, it seems a little bit different. Like not only is Evgeny Svechnikov suddenly found money and Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois have something going and that, that line seems to be creating, but since COVID returns from their absences, Shifley and Wheeler have played together with Adam Lowry. And I keep thinking that it's temporary, it's temporary, it's temporary. Maybe if they don't score, Paul Maurice will try to shake it up. But he's talking about looking to use that line as a shutdown line, as a tough minutes, matchup savvy. Um, and that's with Shifley and Wheeler alongside Adam Lowry, who typically gets to do that job. And so I think we're going to see it throughout the homestand, to be sure. I think we're going to see it, you know, as long as as long as the flow of play looks like it did last night against St. Louis, like I don't think you stress them not scoring if they're all over the net like they were, and then you just assume the offense is going to come. So we're a dozen games into the season. Important not to make too many snap judgments, but what would you say is the biggest area of concern right now for the Winnipeg Jets? For me, the the biggest area of concern is, is that I'm – a little nervous that some of what they do well, uh, I'm not sure how long Vianney Svechnikov is going to last with Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and maintain a productive element there. Uh, I'm not sure as well about, you know, Kopp and Ehlers without Stastny there as well. I, Jansen Harkins um, stepped in, was a fast player, a dangerous player at times, but I'm not sure that he's ready for that top six necessary role. And you know what? I just called both of those the biggest concerns. They're, they're not. The, the penalty kill has let so much air out of Winnipeg's 5-on-5 play, which, you know, at the worst of times has had stretches of decent play, and at the best of times has actually been pretty good. Winnipeg's 5-on-5 play, you know, they're better than 50% in the shot metrics. You saw what they did against St. Louis. It's something that's rounding into form, but you can't give goals back as often as Winnipeg has done. And that's, 
you know, early in the season, they couldn't get clears on the PK. They couldn't win faceoffs. Last night, it was a really poorly defended entry where Toninato steps into Neil Pionk's lane and leaves Buknevich like alone to go uh, right down the right down the wall. That's his man, and, and and that's a poorly defended entry. And then you get the poorly goaltended shot right after that as well. Connor Hellebuck, you typically expect to have that one, and it seems to me that the PK. No matter no matter how well it plays, no matter how well one instance of it goes, one clear gets made. Um, there's something that falls apart on it, and and that's still they they had some awful numbers early, and I think they're still fighting against that, but they haven't fixed it all at this point. No, there's still lots of time. Is that a personnel thing? Is it a system thing? Is it a luck thing? Is it a combination of those things? I see it as 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 many of those. Winnipeg's given up a ton of shot quality on the PK as measured by how many shots get taken and where they come from for years, even when the penalty kill's been a little bit better. Um, but the overall trend, I think, under the Paul Maurice era in Winnipeg is that the penalty kill has never been particularly strong. What they have had at times is that despite the amount of shots they give up, um, they've been able to sort of control you know, the passes setting up those shots sometimes just from the top of the zone to to the to the circle, um, leaves Connor Hellebuck a little bit less ground to cover, and he's often you know he's had hot stretches or even great years where he's been able to handle that. And Winnipeg's PK ends up looking pretty good because he's making a lot of saves, and they're the kinds of saves that he likes to make. And um, he's not having to go all the way post to post on some sort of seam play. This year. You know, they're giving up those shots, but I think they are getting seamed from time to time as well. But it's also those second chance opportunities when he makes that save um, and the puck drops into play. This is that's what hounded them early on is it would drop into play. And then the guys brought in to sort of clean things up. But Brendan Dillon, who I, I've really liked on the overall, you know, you can see him also in picture when, when pucks get batted in. Logan Stanley's a big guy, too. It's happened to him. You know, Winnipeg has been a step behind in, the, in those moments. And I think that. If you're going to give up shot volume like the Jets do, you have to be first on those battles and you have to get the saves. And it seems like when they get the battles won, the saves don't come and the other way around. So I, I think it's going to be a work in progress for a little bit. On the point of the defense, we looked at the additions of Dylan and Schmidt and thought, okay, they're going to be better at moving the puck. There's going to be a physical aspect, especially to Dylan's game. I think we've seen Pionk unlocked a bit more offensively and Morrissey as well. Your overall thoughts on the additions as they look 12 games in and what that's done for the blue line group. Well, first and foremost, Josh Morrissey is above 50% in all the shot metrics right now. And that only happened when Dylan DeMello was partnered with him last season. It didn't happen with Tucker Pullman. It didn't happen with Nathan Beaulieu or any of the other rotating cast of characters that Josh Morrissey played with. So early returns say that, you know, Schmidt has been a good player for him to play with. The chemistry is building. You don't see them get hemmed in their own zone for enormous stretches of time. I mean, it, it happens briefly here or there, an exit fails, but mostly they get the stop, they move the puck, they, they get it going in the right direction. They're getting puck support from forwards to do that. So I've liked that pairing. I've, I've liked the offense that you've seen from it too. Nate Schmidt's got a whole pile of assists. Josh Morrissey is looking dangerous on that power play. And then with... You know, especially with, with Schmidt teeing him up, I should say, as well, with that no-look pass, then he feeds it off to, to Morrissey on the half wall, and that one-timer has been great. Um, Dylan and Pionk, I think, are a little bit work-in-progress chemistry-wise, but Dylan is knocking guys over. He is winning many battles. He has lost a couple that have led to goals, and I think that he'll look to have even stronger results as the year goes on. Um, and 
You know, I think when, when Dylan arrived, we thought, okay, well, he's an upgrade on Derek Forbert, so that's, that pairing is going to go from solid to sensational. We haven't seen that yet. It's just been solid so far, and, and that's also that's a completely functional thing for Winnipeg. I mean, the defense has gone from a, a, an abject weakness to uh, you know an above average or an often like completely functional group, and, and some of them are putting up points as well. I think it's been good. I guess Kyle Connors, the MVP for the team right now? Yeah, I mean, scoring as he is, absolutely. I, I think it's tough to tough to drag uh, away from him, absolutely. Pierre-Luc Dubois would be in the running to me. Uh, but it's really those two guys who are generating and becoming the, you know, de facto number one scoring line, whatever the matchups end up being, um, you know, the heart of Winnipeg's comebacks, the heart of the offense in, in, in so many ways, whether it's power play or even strength. You saw Pierre-Luc Dubois with that one-handed take of the pass and then the net drive turning the shoulder. And I think it was Colton Pareko, who's a huge man as well, um, yesterday against St. Louis. They're able to do it in a lot of different ways. So, yeah, I would say absolutely. And the thing about Kyle Connor as well, you know, we, I, I, I'll wear it. I don't know what you say, <laughs> but like I give him an awfully hard time sometimes about his defensive impact. And in the last couple of seasons, it hasn't been good, whether it's being a minus player at five on five in terms of goals, or if you like to go into the, um, you know, with or without you type analytics, the um, the the metrics a little bit more under the hood. His defensive impact has been really quite poor for for a couple of seasons, despite his speed, despite his good and active stick. Um, he was also the one that Paul Maurice indirectly called out for his back check on a famous Blake Wheeler goal against last year. This year, I've seen more instances of him using his speed to get back in the play and break things up. And so it's not just the fact that Kyle Connor is scoring. I think he's He's never going to be an absolutely dominant defensive player, but he's been pretty good on that front. And when you have both of those aspects going in his game, I mean, he's been Winnipeg's most dynamic player and helping uh, in the defensive zone. That's a that's a phenomenal player and, and one who's, you know, full value for the hot streak and the NHL first start of the week a couple of weeks back as well. I'll get you out of here on this. If healthy, what is the ceiling for this Jets team in your opinion right now? I have them as a Final Four team if everything goes well. And so... I have them in the playoffs to be sure. I, I, I like what they've done in a lot of ways. Those additions help them play a more aggressive brand of hockey. They're more aggressive at both blue lines. The overall system looks better. They don't get hemmed in their own zone. On and on and on. There's reasons to like Winnipeg this year versus last. And I see them as a surefire playoff team. I could see them winning a round easily. I could see them winning multiple rounds if this sort of recent improvement in five-on-five play continues and they really start to push teams around possession-wise like they did against St. Louis. The one thing I don't see is a team that's going to go absolutely all the way or be a you know a threat to win the Stanley Cup. There's too many deep, brilliant, loaded teams, whether it's Tampa Bay, uh, to go for the three-peat Colorado, although they've struggled. There's, there's too much depth amongst great elite teams in the NHL. So the ceiling for me is a deep playoff run, and I think that you know Winnipeg would be satisfied with that on a lot of fronts. Murad, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. Thank you, Christian. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. And thanks for all the fish So sad that it should come to this We try to warn you over the day You may not share our intellect